You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. weakness of all religion. Man, finite as he is, trying to reach infinite God across the gulf. This is what religion does. It's totally impossible. That is what separates Christianity from religions. Christianity is not finite man trying to reach infinite God. Christianity is infinite God reaching down to finite man, reaching down with his hands stretched out and saying, come to me. Mankind is like a one piece of hay in the universe haystack, we're so small, trying to reach such a great height, it's impossible. Unless you realize that Jesus made a way to become your go-between, as Pastor Dave tells you today. Will you allow Jesus to be the middleman between you and God? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 17. As he continues his message, Jesus prays for his disciples, part one. You are John 17, we've been making our way through the Gospel of John, and we've come to this glorious, glorious passage of John 17, where Jesus prays. And, you know, we said last time this could be easily considered the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord is praying to the Father, and and we get to listen in on His prayer, and it's an exciting thing. But we're going to be in verses 16 through 19, but you'll be surprised at how far we get. I'm going to read these verses 6 through 19 aloud if you'd like to follow along silently in the Gospel of John chapter 17. Jesus is praying to the Father. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So I've titled it part two as Jesus prays. Jesus prays for his disciples. But I could have very easily, when I realized where I was in scriptures and when you realize how little I do this morning, the message could be easily entitled Mission Accomplished. A few weeks back, we began chapter 17, and we were privileged to enter a most holy place. I felt like I needed to take off my shoes. Like we were entering into a most holy place, actually listening in to where God the Son prays to God his Father. We get to listen in on that and hear this most private, most intimate and delicate prayer that Jesus is now praying. And he prayed for himself. This prayer has been called by many a high priestly prayer. It's been called that way for two reasons. Well, first of all, it's been called that because as Jesus prays, he is preparing himself now for the sacrifice which he will give. Jesus is going to give himself as a sacrifice. And it's called a high priestly prayer because only the priest prepared the sacrifices. Only the priest prepared got the sacrifices ready. So Jesus is our high priest, and we're going to talk about that more. And then after he prays for himself, he turns his attention towards the men that God the Father had given him, the men who had followed him for three and a half years, and he makes intercession for them. He becomes the great intercession warrior as he prays for them. And this is another thing that a priest did at that time. The priest made intercession for others. And that's what intercessory prayer is. Interestingly, an aside, in the book of Job, Job's friends were probing for the possible reasons that why all these calamities and sufferings had befell Job. These buddies of Job had concluded that Job must have been a massive sinner. He must have really done some horrible things for these calamities to fall upon him. And God really must be angry at Job because he's now reaping what he sowed. But Job said, hey, I didn't do these things. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm innocent of all these things. So one of his friends suggests, well, why don't you just get right with God and everything will be okay? But Job knew that this wasn't easy. Job knew it wasn't easy. So when he responds to this guy, I think it's Bildad, when he responds to him, he says these things. He says, I look up at heavens and I realize the vastness of God. And I realize that I am absolutely nothing. And how can I plead my case before a God who is so great when I am just a puny nothing? Who can stand and plead a case for God? And then he declared, there is no daysman between us that can put his hand on both of us. A daysman is a mediator. A daysman is a go-between God and man. Job was saying that because God is so vast, he's basically infinite, and because we are finite, the gulf between the infinite and the finite is too great to cross over. Jesus taught about this, if you remember, in the rich man and Lazarus. There was a gulf between the rich man who was in Hades and Lazarus who was in Abraham's bosom. But the sad thing that I see in this thing is that this is the basic weakness of religion. 
This is the basic weakness of all religion. Man, finite as he is, trying to reach infinite God across the gulf. This is what religion does. It's totally impossible. That is what separates Christianity from religions. Christianity is not finite man trying to reach infinite God. Christianity is infinite God reaching down to finite man. Reaching down with his hands stretched out and saying, come to me. And pulling us out of the pit into his marvelous light. And giving us a new birth. That's what Christianity is. Infinite God reaching to finite man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So infinite God reaching down. God is initiating the contact. We love him because he first loved us. He initiated it by going to a cross. So Job is crying out, I can't reach God. He's too infinite. The gap is too great. I need a mediator. Who can lay his hand on me and God? There's no daysman. There's no mediator. Job is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible. And later, after the law was given, God instituted the priesthood. And the priests became mediators also. The priests became mediators between God and man. So fast forward some 1,500 years from Job. Enter the Lord Jesus Christ. God became man and dwelt among us. Paul declares this in 1 Timothy 2.5, that there is one God, one true, eternal, and living God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus becomes our daysman. Jesus becomes our mediator. He becomes our high priest. Jesus lays his hand both on God and man. Why can he do that? Because he touches God, because he's one with God. And he touches man because he came to earth and dwelt as a man. He experienced all temptation. He experiences everything that we've ever experienced, and he's tempted. So why did I tell you that? Because in our verses, in our verses, Jesus becomes the great high priest, and he's making intercession for his disciples. He's making intercession for them. Why? He knew what lay ahead. He knew the trials that they were about to go through. He knew what was in store for these guys. So Jesus becomes the priestly intercessor, and he prays to the Father, praying for these men whom the Father has given him. He knows. Jesus knows that the very best thing he can do for these guys was commit them into the hands of the Father. Intercession, as I said, is simply the act of praying for other people. That's what intercession is. Jesus is always pictured as the ultimate intercessor. And because of this, all Christian prayer becomes intercession since it's offered to God through Jesus and in the name of Jesus. It becomes intercession. Jesus closed the gap between God and man when he died on the cross. And because Jesus is the mediator, we can now intercede in prayer on behalf of others. We can intercede on behalf of the lost. We can ask God to grant our request according to his will. And as intercessors, we need to realize that the best thing we can do is to commit people into the hand of God. Best thing we can do is put them at the foot of the cross and commit them to God and his will. God has called all of us to be intercessors. It's his desire that we would be actively in intercessory prayer. The ladies meet, and they have an intercessory prayer time. We become intercessors, and we start praying corporately and together. 
What a wonderful and exalted privilege this is. To be able to stand in the gap for somebody and pray in the name of Jesus Christ to God the Father and, and pray these things and, and say, we're standing before the throne room of God and we're looking at him and we're saying, here's our request, Lord. Do according to your will. Do according to your purpose. And this is where Jesus is right now. So Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for himself, and now he centers his prayer on the disciples. He's looking at these guys before him, the 11 who are there with him. Remember, they're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at verse 6a. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. In this section of Jesus' prayer for his disciples, like I said, it could almost be called mission accomplished. Because Jesus is saying to God, I have done what you have sent me to do. Now remember, we studied back in 17.4 when Jesus says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Jesus has already said that. And now he says to the disciples, I manifested your name to those that you have given me. Now, make no mistake about it. The work will be ultimately complete when Jesus goes to the cross. When he's hanging on the cross and he says, it is finished, the work is done. But Jesus is telling the Father, I've done all the things that you've told me to do. I've glorified your name and I've manifested myself to these men. He prays that. So Jesus says, I've manifested. The word manifest carries the connotation of declaring unfolding or leading to or showing the way. It means to make clearly known. Something is evident when it's made manifest, when it's publicly visible and, and when it's plain. Jesus manifested the Father not only in his words, but in his deeds. He manifested the Father in his words and in his deeds. What did Jesus show the disciples? What did he manifest to the disciples is the question. Well, look what it says. I have manifested your name. I have manifested your name to them. That's what Jesus manifested to them. What? Interesting. Well, we know that the name of God is Yahweh or Jehovah. We know that for a fact. God is not his name. God is not his name. That's his designation. That's who he is. He is God. He is the almighty creator. He is the everlasting God. He is the great I am. He is the one who created all things and in him all things are. He is our God. We sang this morning, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. We sang those things because he is our God. Now, when you say the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord is not his name. Lord is his title. His name is Jesus. He has God's name. Because Jesus in Hebrew is Yashashua. Jehovah is salvation. So he has God's name in him. Christ is who he is. He's the Messiah. So when you say the Lord Jesus Christ, you have that full thing. He's our Lord and Savior. That's his title. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ, the Messiah, who came to save the world. But Jesus proclaimed to the disciples using a very, very particular name of God. I am. A very, very particular name of God. I am. And he made it meaningful to the disciples when he said, I am the bread of life. 
I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. He showed the disciple these things. So what does it mean that Jesus, when he said, I have manifested God's name to the disciples, or I have manifested your name, God, to the disciple? It means that Jesus had revealed the nature and character of God to these men. Jesus revealed the nature and character of God to these men. Way back in Exodus, when Moses meets the Lord on the mountain, He wants the Lord to pass by him so he could see him in chapter 34 of Exodus. And we read 34, basically, uh, verses 5 through 7. 5, 5 through 7. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made hate and bowed his head to the earth and worshiped. The Lord manifested himself to Moses by declaring his character. By declaring his character. What was the character of God? Well, it says right there. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and grace, keeping mercy for thousands, etc., etc. Jesus didn't simply teach us about the character of God. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated the character of God to them. And this is what he's saying there. I've manifested. They were with him for three and a half years. They saw him manifest the name of God by showing grace and mercy. The Samaritan woman. The woman taken in adultery. The woman who washed his feet with her tears. Jesus manifested the name of Jehovah with his long suffering, especially with the religious leaders. He was so much long suffering. And everything he did was in goodness and of truth in abundance. He manifested the name of Jehovah by forgiving sins. To the man with palsy, he said, your sins are forgiven. To the woman who washed his feet with her hair, your sins are forgiven. Listen to the prophecy found in Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two, concerning the Messiah. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren. Jesus fulfilled that right here. He manifested God's name to the brethren. The brethren were able to look upon him and see it. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Remember what he said to Philip, have you been with me for so long and you've not seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Jesus didn't do this instantly. If he did it instantly, the poor disciples' minds would have blown up. Then it went, whoa, what's going on? No, they couldn't have handled it, but he gradually did it with his words and his deeds as they matched up. Jesus manifested the Father's name to them, and they finally proclaimed this back in 16. By this we believe that you've come forth from God. Finally, in that statement, mission accomplished. In that statement, mission accomplished. Now, I tried to move on. I tried to go further But I believe the Lord would not allow me to go any further without looking at the application of what this verse is all about. 
There's an incredible application here, which I think we all need to look at, and we all need to glean for ourselves and look at ourselves and introspect in ourselves. That are we accomplishing this? And to begin with this, I go to one of my most favorite verses, and I quote it a lot here, but I love this verse in 1 John 1, 1. John is writing, the same guy who wrote the gospel, the apostle John is writing this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was what? manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that we have seen and heard and we declare to you that you also may fellowship with us, for our, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, we were there for three years. We were with him for three years. He manifested, showed us the Father, and now we're showing you, him, we're showing you, Jesus showed us the Father, and now we're, you're showing you Jesus. It's coming on down. So what's the application? Look at the application. We have to manifest Jesus to others. That's the application. We have a similar call that John has here. We have a similar duty, if you will, to manifest Jesus Christ to others. To others could see Jesus Christ. Remember, the word manifest means to make clearly known. Something evident when it is made manifest. It's publicly visible and plain. We said that. There is no question left when something is made manifest. We all manifest what we really believe in by how we live and how we act, not just by how we say. Do you see where this is going here? Manifesting Jesus. We are called to manifest Jesus Christ. When you believe in the gospel and the teachings of Jesus Christ, when you become born again, we manifest what we believe in. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, Minister to by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit on the living God, or not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. We manifest that when we believe in Jesus Christ. We exude that. We exude Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's through your actions, not your words. We cannot be telling people to do as I say, not as I do. We have to tell them to do as I say and do. My words match my talk and walk. They match them. In 2 Corinthians 4, when we turn from the deeds of darkness, when we turn and obey the word of God, we manifest God in his truth. In 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 2, it says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitly, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We do this. People, look into our lives. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.